Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum from Duke University. Brown on the break for the Celtics. Goes around the world. Oh, the circus game in the Boston. Walker for three. Pemba Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow. Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Boston Celtics beat writer for MassLive.com. I'm joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. Nicole, how are you? I never know what to say when people ask how I'm doing because, like, I'm fine, like I'm healthy, but also, yeah. I don't know. I have like anxiety, but I'm also fine. You know what I mean? It's just such a weird question to answer during this time. That's actually a really insightful point. Yeah, like, like I'm I'm good. <laughs> like I'll make it. You know, like right. Yeah, no, I uh, I'm the same. I am still here. I'm still existing. I am healthy, so that's all yeah. really good. Um, but yeah, no, I'm you know, you're everybody's as as worried as everybody else. Uh. Are you are you enjoying your new TV? Well, see, I haven't even watched. I think I've watched maybe like 20 minutes of my new TV. So what? that's great. Like, so is it just more convenient to watch on your phone or or what are you, or are you just not watching stuff or what's what's your deal? I think it, maybe it's a combination of both. Part of it is just I've been on TikTok so many hours of the day and my new TV doesn't have TikTok. Um, but yeah, I just I haven't used it that much. Got you. Got you. What's what's new in the TikTok world? Pretty quiet in terms of the Celtics players. Romeo posted a new video trying to test out different transitions using his head. So you can check that out. I feel like me describing it won't do it justice. Yeah, I'm just going to leave that sentence there. <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> so we figured we would do just end of season awards. Talk a little bit about MVP, most improved player, just within the Celtics. Like, we don't know if the season's coming back or not. It, if it does, all of our answers to these categories might change. But for now, Nicole, uh, let's start with the big one. Let's go MVP. So I put Jason Tatum for this one. He led the team in minutes, games played, points, led the team in rebounds, which is kind of interesting as well. So he's like the front runner just across the board in terms of important per game stats. But then also when you just think back to his season, he just exploded after he was named an all-star. He just really took off, scored 41 against the Lakers. That Clippers game at home when it went to overtime and he was defending Kawhi, scoring on Kawhi, like it was just, it still sticks out in my mind. It's just such an incredible performance. So I think he really is the easy choice here. I would agree. I think... 
you know, you could you could you know say a lot of nice things about a lot of members of this roster. Like Kemba really helps the team come together in the wake of everything that happened last year. And, you know, Jalen was an all-star, even though he wasn't an all-star and, and just had a really, truly impressive season. And Gordon started to look like Gordon again. But it's just like, yeah, all, all those guys were good. But Jason Tatum was the best player on the team from, you know, just for, for months and months. And for like, you know, I mean, it kind of started back in January when they played New Orleans and he dropped 41. And then ever since then, like there were a few, there were a couple of bad games sprinkled in there. Like he really struggled with the Rockets both times the Celtics faced him this year, which was kind of a strange, uh, like a strange little phenomenon in the middle of just this obscene run that he went on. But I mean, just the last, however, you know, the last however long of the season, he was one of the best players in the entire NBA. And he really showed like the entire package that you hope to see from a future all NBA forward. Like he was, you know, he was, he was passing out of double teams. He was getting to the rim. He was getting to the free throw line. He was making just an obscene number of three pointers. He, he had a really special season. And when you dig into the deeper stats too, it, it just, it only gets better for him. Like he was, you know, 95th percentile in, in uh, point differential. The Celtics were 11 points per hundred possessions better with him on the floor. Like it, you know, and, uh, his his defense was almost as good as his offense when you look at the at the you know at the uh, on off type numbers. So, yeah, I mean, it's just he had a really special season. He was a big part of the reason why the Celtics surged down the stretch. And I think you know we've talked about it before, but I, I'm disappointed that we won't get to well that we might not get a chance to see what his how his season would have finished in, in the playoffs. For sure, because just anecdotally. I feel like every night we were like, okay, he's probably going to cool off or like this is going to yeah. come to an end at some point. And like he just kept coming up big and like just kept putting up numbers. And when it comes to the postseason, you just wonder how sustainable that was. I mean, for sure. And it, there, it really kind of had some shades of Isaiah Thomas uh, during his kind of magical run from whatever it was, 2015 to 2017. And just in terms of every single night, you went into the game, he made his first couple of shots, and then you just sort of settled in like, all right, here we go. Here he's off again. And that was really fun. Like that that made that stretch of basketball for the Celtics, which can often be kind of boring, that that, you know, post-trade deadline stretch. Tatum made that really entertaining just by completely exploding onto the scene and and just really dominated in a lot of ways. So yeah, I, I think uh just kind of up and down the board, Tatum is a pretty clear MVP. Who did you have for uh, most improved player? So for this one, I put Jason Tatum question mark because I feel like he also kind of fits here just based on the strides that he's made. He very clearly has asserted himself on that. Maybe not like superstar level, but just like budding superstar level. He's made a lot of strides in terms of his shot selection, which has been talked about a lot and just his maturity. And I feel like Brad always brings up a good point when it comes to most improved players is that the top players in the league often aren't looked to for this category, but yet they usually are the ones making just astounding improvements, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. But usually players in the MVP discussion aren't also in the most improved discussion, but I feel like Tatum sort of fits here. He does. Like you were saying that the jump from very good to superstar is, is really impressive. And I think he had one of the most disappointing seasons of any player last year. Like, after that rookie year, a lot of people expected, you know, they saw him in the postseason, you know, helping lead the team. They saw him 
just making three after three after three and just showing all of all of this really intriguing potential. And then when he comes out last year and, and, you know, he didn't have a bad season by any means. He averaged, you know, just under 16 a game and you know six rebounds and was a pretty good defender, 37 percent from three. It's like it's not bad. Like the numbers aren't bad by any means, but it it definitely wasn't the jump that everybody hoped to see from rookie to sophomore. And I think a lot of people started wondering, like, OK, is he you know, is he more Paul George or is he more Rudy Gay? And then this year, I feel like he just answered all those questions in a, in a really impressive way. So he's one of the two that I would consider. I, I also think that Jalen Brown is a really strong candidate for this, obviously going from about 13 a game to, to 20 a game this year um, in terms of scoring and just overall play. He He just got so much better. Yeah, I think there was a point during the first half of the season where it seemed like Jalen making the all-star game was more possible than Jason. Um, He was that good to start. And what stood out to me more was just the strides he made in the non-statistical categories. Like his ball handling is so much better. His finishing at the rim is so much better. His, just his confidence and his aggressiveness. Like, and that's after every game, you would ask Jalen something and he'd just be like, Oh, just trying to be aggressive. (laughs) But it was true. No, for sure. And it was very clear how much of a difference that made. Like, Last year, you know, he, he always talks about being aggressive. And, you know, last year, I think a lot of the time he was, you know, he would he would try to be aggressive, but he was really focused on trying to play into the team role. And I think that was something that the team, you know, that this coaching staff certainly really appreciated about him was as everybody else was sort of, you know, I mean, certain guys may have been trying to get paid. Certain guys may have just been unhappy, like whatever it might have been. Jalen was just out there kind of doing his job and I don't think that he was happy I think it was pretty clear that he that he and everybody else on the team last year wasn't very happy but he still just kind of went out there and was a professional and did his job and then this year just everything that he's been working on really started to pay off for him which I think you know a lot of I mean certainly the organization is very happy about but I also think if you talk to the coaching staff and the coaches who work with him Tony Dobbins who does a lot of his individual work with him I think they're just thrilled for Jalen as a person that this that this all came together in the way it did because they've watched him work so for me I went with Jalen for most improved I think that there's a very strong case to be made for Tatum but I I just think that going from bench energy guy to all-star is really impressive. And certainly some of that was just opportunity and I get that. But when you take into account all of, like you mentioned the, the ball handling, the finishing at the rim, I lean Jalen on this one. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. So moving on to six man of the year, this is actually kind of a tough category because the Celtics real six man is Marcus smart. However, uh, according to the league's official criteria, To be eligible to win, a player has to come off the bench in more games than he starts. And a quick look at Marcus Smart's numbers will tell you that he started 39 games this year and played 53. So the Celtics' best six-man cannot win six-man of the year. So, Nicole, uh, who is on this uh, this kind of bleak bench that the Celtics had this year? Who did you have as six-man of the year? So I have two question mark answers. My first one is... Grant because I feel like he actually contributed off the bench and developed nicely since he first started was actually able to defend I feel like smart likes to call him his mini me and that's nice and cute and everything but it's also kind of true because he will fight for loose balls he'll come up with offensive rebounds he'll make important hustle plays that sort of stick out I feel like the Celtics weren't considerably worse 
when Grant was on the floor, and that seemed to be a problem with other players on the bench. So I feel like Grant might be a good option there. My other answer was Shemi, question mark. And this one I think might be me sort of just like projecting in what could be because I think Shemi's value has really yet to be seen. Um, I would be so curious to see how they use him if the playoffs ever happen and they play the Bucks just against Giannis. I think that's really where people could see Shemi shine. But even outside of like his defensive capabilities this season he actually made shots which I feel like was something that we hadn't really seen (laughs) before or like a ton of before and he just looks a lot more comfortable and I think has also improved a lot so those were my two thoughts there yeah I think both of those are fair Uh, the thing with Shemi for me is like in a a more normal season where the Celtics just had a, a lot of their best players back rather than seeing like somebody explode onto the scene or two people explode onto the scene there might have been like a, a quiet case for him to be most improved player on the team just because he stepped up in a lot of different areas of his game. Like he was just a lot better um, off the dribble. He was a lot better from three. He was just a lot more reliable as like a kickout option, which is what the Celtics really needed from him. And defensively, obviously, there's a lot that he can do. And he, as you mentioned, it would have been nice to see him in the playoffs. Although, as everybody will tell you, these are regular season awards. So, you know, even if he shut Giannis down and the Celtics beat the bucks in five or some ridiculous thing like that wouldn't matter for, for these awards but it could matter for our awards Tom. that's true that's true we make the rules here um i i think I, I would go grant williams as well he was just very solid and he got better throughout the year early in the season the celtics did not feel comfortable playing him a lot of minutes and, and you could kind of see that in the rotations they they wanted him to be a small ball five and he just couldn't do that. Like he couldn't stay in front of guards. He couldn't, he struggled in the pick and roll. He struggled to contain guys when he got switched onto them. And as the season went on, he just got better and better. And that was just a result of work. Like you could just see him every day, every game. He was out there beforehand watching film with Brandon Bailey and, and working on really specific things. Like at one point, Brandon Bailey told me that they, for him and Poire, they use like the lines in the, in like the the wood on the floor as the line that the guy can't cross when he's trying to go vertical. And that really seemed to help Grant because he got so much better at staying vertical as the season went on. He still obviously committed a lot of fouls, but you know, just when you go up and down the bench, there just weren't that many guys who brought something to the table. And Grant did like the Celtics were almost three points per hundred possessions better when he was on the floor. Um, you know, that, then that, came on both ends. They were a little bit better defensively. They were a little bit better offensively. So I think that's a, I think that's a fair pick on a, on a bench that was not, you know, it was not a strong bench this year. They, there was a reason that everybody was clamoring for bench help at the trade deadline. But I think, you know, I kind of think, especially when you look at how much Wanamaker struggled at the end of the season and um, you know, how Ennis Cantor just defensively, there were games where he just couldn't even get in the game. I think it's Grant. Yeah. I feel like Grant and maybe even Shemi were the only two players where Celtics Twitter didn't like erupt in anger when they were inserted <laughs> into the game. Whereas... Oh, that's not that's not true at all. They, everybody was very happy to see Romeo. Everybody was very happy to see Taco. Like there, there were guys. Okay, that's fair. But I guess there was no ill will or there was yeah, no yeah, like yeah. ire when they were <laughs> subbed in. No, I think that's definitely true. Um, and I, I do. I will say one thing about the Shemi case, like. I just, I, if I were picking a guy for six man of the year, it would not be somebody who was just like out of the rotation sometimes, which I guess <laughs> but, Grant, I guess Grant was too sometimes, exactly. but yeah, that's I feel tough. Like 
with Brad, it's so contingent upon their opponent with whether he plays Grant or Shemi. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, <laughs> man, six man of the year was harder than I expected it to be. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. All right. Well, we'll stick with Grant Williams there, which brings us to our next category, uh, which is also kind of an interesting one on this year's team. Rookie of the year. Uh, I have Grant Williams. I, I think that's relatively comfortable, but I did think that Romeo made a bit of a charge at the end of the season. What did, what did you think? Yeah, I picked Grant as well, though I had similar thoughts about Romeo. I think maybe if the season continued, we might have had a stronger case for Romeo if he had more playing time, but it was just too small of a sample size to really give it to him. For me, the case for Romeo was just like, it's it's not strong, honestly. Like I think I think Grant is actually like the, the pretty clear one, but it's just that when he was in toward the end of the year, like you you could just see so many flashes of intriguing potential. Like defensively, he's so good. Um, you know, against you know for a rookie, obviously that he's not like you know he's not Kawhi Leonard or anything, but you know he had like some some really nice moments. And it, I think it's really hard for rookies to come in defensively and and guard somebody like James Harden, which he had to do. It's I, I think not only is it hard because James Harden is one of the best offensive players of all time. I think it's also difficult from a mentality standpoint to just know, oh my gosh, I'm guarding James Harden right now. And then James Harden goes out and cooks you. And like, you know, Romeo got cooked a couple of times, but it was never, it never to me looked like a rookie getting cooked. It looked like an NBA player getting beaten by a superstar. And I, I think that, I think that kind of matters. Like Romeo, when he came in, it looked like he belonged, which you can't always say about a rookie. Yeah, ultimately what I concluded from my like mini Romeo Grant debate was that I think Romeo has a higher ceiling. Yeah. And I'm really curious to see where he goes. But in terms of this body of work so far, Grant deserves our award. Definitely. And and, and again, like this is, you know, Grant had a solid season like he and and I think the Celtics are really excited about where he's going from here. I think there's, there's a lot to like. His three-point percentage obviously skyrocketed once he stopped missing his first 26 or whatever it was. Like He got a lot better as the year went on. He got a lot more reliable as the year went on. So I think he's like pretty comfortably wins this award, but I I do think that that Romeo merits some mention as as somebody who's pretty promising. Um, This this next award uh, is probably just about as easy as as, uh, Rookie of the Year was. Nicole, who's your uh, Defensive Player of the Year? Uh, I was... Thinking about making a bad joke here and saying Ennis Cantor, but I'm not even going to bother with that. <laughs> Obviously, you it's did. Marcus Smart. <laughs> yeah, uh, Marcus Smart might has like an you know a uh, outside case to be made for like defensive player of the year for the league. So I don't think this is a hard one. Yeah, agreed. Um, a couple also, of in- shout out before we get into the details of Smart. Shout out to Smart for donating his blood plasma. Yeah, that's huge. Very cool. Yeah. No, I mean, smart is, we've talked about this before. I think, you know, you, smart is a good guy. Like he's, he cares about other people and that's, that's cool to see. So yeah. Shout out to smart for uh, donating plasma and being, I think the first player to commit to doing that. Um, But yeah, def- <laughs> he's also a really good defender. So uh, just numbers wise, defense is obviously so hard to quantify, but the Celtics were three points per hundred possessions better defensively when he was on the floor, which is, uh, second on the team among guys who like played a reasonable number of minutes and just defensively, like the things that he can do are just so amazing. Like I, I Celtics fans know, but he can guard bigs. He can 
take on Giannis for long stretches. He's he, a stretch six. He is a stretch six. He, he calls himself that. And yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at like seven footers who can like, you know, do a lot of stuff in the post, like he can guard them. Giannis can do a little bit of everything. You know, you can match up with him in the post, like guards, like James Harden, whoever in the pick and roll, he can, he can guard those guys. Like he's just so versatile. He's so impressive. For sure. The only other guy that I thought, I mean, he, he didn't really deserve mention in terms of like potentially winning it, but he did deserve mention for how good he was defensively was Daniel Tice. Um, without, without Daniel Tice this year, the Celtics would have been in so much trouble. <laughs> like we saw that over and over. I know a lot of people thought that Ennis Cantor was going to be the starting center, but just defensively, the Celtics would have been in a world of hurt if they had not had Dan- Daniel Tice. And I think he deserves a shout out for that. For sure. Excellent. All right. So last one on our list here is the Jeff Twist award, which may not be a particularly, uh, well-known one, but it's the, uh, Jeff Twist is the longtime Celtics PR um guru he had the uh media award for the guy that i guess the media appreciates the most for everything that they did uh that that always is chosen every year so nicole who wins your jeff twist award who did you enjoy talking to or how did you decide this one so this one was tough too i of course had multiple answers because i can't decide on any of these (laughs) um I feel like Grant was my first inkling just because he was always down to talk. I mean, he played Settlers of Catan with me for three hours for a story, which I feel like no player would ever give me three hours of their time (laughs) except for Grant. So, yeah, shout out to Grant. He was our first podcast guest. Like He was. Shout out to Grant. And he's just a good guy. Like not only is he available, but he's a good conversation. Yeah. Um, Sometimes guys who are always available, like Ennis Cantor (laughs) – I'm just going to rip on Ennis. They don't always give you like the best stuff. Other contenders for me were Javante. Well, Um, a quick note about that. I mean, that was something that everybody always used to say about Ray Allen was I didn't, I didn't cover Ray Allen, but if you ask pretty much anybody who did, they'll tell you that like he would just talk and talk and talk and talk. And if you had a question for him, like he would answer you for like two minutes straight and then you would go back and transcribe it and realize you had just two minutes of just like dead air, like just nothing from him. So you know, Grant Grant is not that. Grant will will engage with you. He'll give you something interesting. So, yeah. He's very thoughtful. And I feel like that's why. So, Javante was also in the running for me. And I found that he was pretty thoughtful, available, always down to talk. Romeo, also a good candidate. I mean, these are all the guys that basically hang out in the locker room. So, right, when yeah. you go up to them, they're usually willing to talk. But outside of that, I mean, I had some good stories with Jalen this year. I don't know. I... Hard to say, but I guess I would probably say Grant. So I actually went a slightly different direction. I went with Kemba Walker. Um, mm. He's, you know, and, and I mean, he's he's available if you want to talk to him. And that is a huge step up from Kyrie Irving last season. Um, but, you know, if you wanted to approach Kemba in the like in the locker room or like before like a game for a shoot around or something, you could. He would he would talk to you. He would engage with you. And um, but I just I thought that one thing that Kemba really did was Every time it like you could you, you could really broach subjects with him and like, it, you know, even in a scrum, whatever it might be. And he was very thoughtful, like he would give a lot of consideration. He also was always available after like bad losses. Like if he had a really bad game, he would go up there and you could ask him about his bad game. You could say, hey, man, what's been going on? You know, you've had a tough stretch the last week or two. Like what's been going on? And he would think about it like it wasn't he wouldn't get defensive. He would just you know, he might be disappointed in himself. But he would never like lash out at the reporter. He would never do anything like that. He was just very um, honest and open 
and I really appreciated that about a guy who was brought in to be the team star, didn't end up being the team star during the season, like wasn't the biggest story on the team. And, you know, like I assume part of the reason he came to Boston was because he wanted to win as the star. And, you know, that wasn't always the case for him this year. And he still was always, you know, never failed to be to be polite and thoughtful and helpful. And, um, you know, it ne- never failed to, like, talk up teammates like he, he would engage with, with your premise for your question. And I think as a media member, that's that's really nice to have it, like a guy who isn't going to like, you know, shout you down or make you feel like your question is dumb, even if it is a dumb question like you know, somebody who's who's always willing to sort of engage that way is, I think, pretty valuable for the locker room. Not to go down a completely different path, but I do wonder how much he actually wants to win as a star. I feel like at this point in his career, he just wants to win as like a starter. Like, I don't really know how much mm. he cares about actually being the star. But what I was going to say is that I feel like Kemba deserves credit in this category as well, because whether he intended to do this or just this is the way his personality is. And so it did it sort of by default. Like he really changed the culture in terms of media. Like I feel like media availability last season was just such a different animal for us Yeah, because of Kyrie and how he handled the media and just how everything was going. And this year, everything is way more relaxed. Everybody is seems way more agreeable and just way more available. I feel like last year was just so difficult to sort of get guys for what you needed. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's sort of my take. No, for sure. And I think the one thing that happened last year was because of the way that Kyrie was, guys were on eggshells talking to the media, not because they like didn't want to talk to us. I mean, some of them probably, I mean, I assume that generally <laughs> people don't want to talk to us because we're annoying, but like, I, I think that guys were on eggshells in part because they didn't want to say something that would start drama because the team was trying so hard not to have drama. And then in doing so, they had just endless drama, just like never ending drama. And I I think that that stemmed from Kyrie. And I've said this before. I don't think that that was all Kyrie's fault or all Kyrie's personality. I think in a lot of ways, the organization was just trying so hard not to, uh, you know, not to start anything with Kyrie, just to like keep him happy that they ended up kind of, I mean, making the situation a little bit more toxic than it needed to be. But yeah, I mean, you know, this season, it is very, very different in that locker room. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that that Kemba is in there now. You know, I, I mm-hmm. think that that is I think that he has a big uh, a lot to do with that. For sure. Um, let's uh, let's let's finish it here. Let's do a couple of superlatives before we go. So being around the locker room, who do you think is the funniest in the locker room? Javante. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I no mean- question. Javante, like. You, you don't always know if he's messing with you or not. Usually he is. Like, I remember a couple of times now I've like, well, like earlier on, I guess I got kind of used to him as the season went on. But like in the, you know, the first like month or so of the season, I would go up to him and be like, hey, man, do you have a second? And he would like look at me and be like, for you? Nah. And then like, I'd be like, oh, uh, oh okay. But then he'd be like, nah, nah, I'm just messing. I'm messing. And it, like, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, with his teammates, with everybody, like he's just very quick, um, very quick witted. I think he's, he's pretty funny. Um, who do you think is the best dressed? Kemba for sure for sure like the coordination he has is on point and there are some things that he has that I'm like I want that I would not not consider (laughs) Nicole you know me I would not consider myself somebody who ever could pull off like like rings or like necklaces like anything like that like I can't I can't rock like any of that stuff but when I see it on Kemba I'm just like that just looks so cool like it's just yeah 
he just like crushes it and it's like it's it's very you know it's very flashy but he doesn't make it look flashy somehow but it is sort of and, it's, it's, but you can tell it's intentional very coordinated yeah yeah very extremely well-dressed guy um behind closed doors who do you think talks the most uh grant okay they always say grant doesn't shut up so but they also say that about marcus yeah but uh, that's true i feel like grant doesn't shut up and they maybe want him to shut up (laughs) (laughs) they love grant but like you know what i mean it is really funny how they're just like they really see him as like the annoying little brother (laughs) like they're just like grant shut up I, but Grant, I think, likes that and embraces that Oh, he does. Role. He loves like, it. Like, I think he loves being treated like that. Loves it. I mean, one of the, <laughs> one of the funnier incidents I, I saw with that was in uh, in Washington, D.C. earlier this year. Um, <laughs> Marcus Smart, like, had a little scrum. And about halfway through, Grant had been requested. And he comes in, and Smart doesn't see him coming in. And, like, um, Grant, had, like, puts his phone up to, to Smart and is recording, too. And smart doesn't see him until the end and then at the end grant just like thank you marcus and like he said it with like the perfect reporter inflection like we all say like thank you marcus like in this like way too serious way after we finish up scrums grant nailed that and smart was just livid at him he was just like grant get the like he was just <laughs> cursing him out and everything it was very funny all right and then the last one i had here um <laughs> i'm basically just lobbing this one up for nicole to uh to dunk at home nicole uh who has the best jumbotron answers um, obviously Rob Williams. Correct. Uh, which one, I think we've been over this before. Which one, which one would you say was your favorite of the year? Oh man, there's so many good ones to choose from. So basically what we're referring to is that I think after the first time out of Celtics home games, they play little jumbotron segments and Rob Williams' answers. They're just like silly prompts and things like that. But Rob Williams' answers always brighten my evening. And I mean, it might have to be the wave pool. It's the when pool. Yeah. <laughs> they were all asked uh, the best thing they did over the summer, and people said, like, Team USA, going to Egypt, I don't know, different things. And Robert Williams. Carson, was, Carson Edwards said that he got drafted, which is a pretty big moment in a young man's life. Rob's was going in a wave pool, which is just <laughs> so precious. I mean, the pineapple on pizza one, though, is fantastic, too. They asked if they thought pineapple was a good pizza topping, and or no, just a pizza topping in general, not even good. And people have their thoughts on that. <laughs> Rob's, of course, were before I turned 21, I did. But now that I'm 21, no, I don't think so anymore. He is excellent. He's a gem. At some point, one one of these one of these weeks, while we're all locked inside, Nicole and I will do the Rob Williams Appreciation Hour, where we just go through like our favorite moments with rob williams behind the scenes because there's there's a lot of good ones there's so many good ones he's he's a very funny dude all right guys we will leave it there thank you guys for listening if you want to do us a huge favor you can leave us a five-star review on apple and write a little written review we had a we had a fun one this week yeah somebody wrote sort of thought this was going to be about pizza but it's been cool anyway so gonna see where it goes you know have some fun with it make us lol all right that's as good a spot as any to leave it nicole you can follow her on twitter at nicole c yang she never tweets so make sure you check that out you can follow me on twitter at tom underscore nba where you will find nothing of interest while this is going on we appreciate you guys we'll talk to you soon